0: Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited about this show today. The timeliness I didn't even realize was going to happen, but you'll know what I mean in just a minute. My guest today is Jean Duffy. She is the author of Soccer Grannies the South African Women Who Inspire the World. Welcome to the show, Jean. Hi, hey, Marcia. Delighted to be here. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. How ironic what's going on right now in the world of soccer. Did I say soccer? I believe I did, but I meant to say oh, soccer. <laughs> okay, thank you. Oh, you're my best friend. All right, so let's start off by letting our listeners get to know something about about you. So please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, Uh, in the in the early years
1: of my life, I moved twenty four times before I reached (gasps) high school. Wow, you know the new kid in class at least once a year. (laughs) But uh, once I was of an age where those moves were under my control, I put down deep roots in Lexington, Massachusetts. Uh, Over twenty five years in the same house, where I raised two lovely daughters. In my opinion and over 25 years at the same company where I was a computer engineer and manager of engineers and researchers. Um, All that was great, but in the last eight years, I've enjoyed a kind of multifaceted creative retirement. Um, Mm. My husband and I downsized and moved to a more urban setting where we don't have to drive in the car as many places. I've been doing pro bono management consulting for nonprofits uh, helping other seniors downsize and
0: writing a book. Wow, that's pretty cool. I like that. I like the idea of what, what you're saying, downsizing, because that is sort of up there floating around in my head. I, I mean, I've been in my house since 1973, and it's like a museum. Um, you know, I, I do I really need all of these, what what we would call tchotchkes in my house? Probably not, but, you know, I just haven't made effort to make a change. So... Um, It's interesting um, to hear a little bit about your background, but I understand that you are a soccer player, and that's pretty darn cool. So when did you start playing soccer?
1: Uh, Not until my mid-40s. I was on the sidelines in, in Lexington watching my daughters play and I thought to myself, that, that looks like fun. I, I can run five miles. Surely I can run five miles and chase a soccer ball. <laughs> and fortunately, I found a group of women who who were interested to start as well. And um, one woman had experience and taught us, you know, what part of the foot to kick with and that kind of thing. And I was hooked in no time. It was so much fun. I did <laughs> no I did no athletics as a kid. My parents didn't do regular exercise. I had no older siblings as role models, and I was just a little too old to have benefited from Title IX. Uh, There was no high school girls' soccer team or college women's soccer team, if I had the inkling of a desire to play back then. But uh, once I got out of college and had a little more free time in my life, I was, you know, I started running and swimming and biking and even dabbled in
0: triathlons for a little while wow so but, so that suggests to me that you're in very good physical shape if you're able to to do all of those things with the desire to want to do them because just because you know just you you have to be able to have some skills in order to do all of those things and i'm just curious why soccer not golf or why soccer not tennis was there something about soccer that you really liked yeah, um, yeah. It, it was the first time I played a team sport of, of any, okay. you know,
1: at, at, here at age 46. And I think it was just kind of a little bit fake watching my daughters play. And I really, once I started playing, I loved it because it was just such a fun fun way to exercise. You kind of forget mm-hmm. you're breathing hard.
0: And, <laughs> and a, stress,
1: a a stress reliever, you know, because you forgot about the to-do list that's, you know, hanging over your head for that hour. And sure. I really appreciate the camaraderie of the team laughing and uh, chattering on the field and, you know, celebrating milestone birthdays. Now, if I'm turning 60, I bring youthful legs to that over-60s team. Like, how often do you get to hear, you know, <laughs> something like that?
0: True. Well, it's, it's funny because, um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, that you're an author and you've written a book about um, the soccer grannies, which we're going to be talking a lot about today, and they're a whole lot older than 60, most of them. So if we roll back in time to when you first started playing, did you know about this team of soccer grannies in South Africa? I I did not. They actually started... Um...
1: Just four years after me, um, older women taking to the pitch. But like you said, they were quite a bit older than me, uh, 40 to 80 years old. And these women have led very challenging lives, but they are strong and resilient, and they just radiate a joy for life, whether they're singing, dancing, or chasing a soccer ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, a woman by the name of Becca Nitzanwisi founded the team, and. At age 35, she was diagnosed with colon cancer, and she's in the hospital getting treatments. And she, Becca, is not the kind of person who focuses on her own suffering. Instead, Mm -hmm. she looked around her and saw all these older women in the hospital with health issues, heart disease, diabetes, mobility issues. And the doctor told her, you know, these women live stressful lives. They really need exercise. So when Beckett got out of the hospital, she decided to convene an exercise group, and she, you know, called upon all these older women in her village, and they started walking and progressed to, you know, slowly more vigorous exercises. And one day, some teenage boys kicked a soccer ball in front of them, and one of the older women booted the ball, and it went nowhere near where she (laughs) intended, and everyone was laughing. And Becca called the teenage boys over, and she said, show these grannies how to kick. And so they kicked the ball, passed the ball. They were running and laughing. And, you know, 30 minutes later, they told Becca, this is fun. We want to do it again. And so that was the start of her first team. Wow. So I would hear hear about them a few years after they started playing. It was uh, 2010, and South Africa – was hosting the FIFA Men's World Cup, uh, first time on African soil, and the international spotlight shone on this team of older women, you know, playing football in skirts. Uh, it was like the perfect human interest story associated with the whole lead-up to the World Cup, and news reporters flock to their town to interview them and get video footage, and I'm at work one early morning in 2010, and I open my email, and I See a message from one of my soccer buddies. It was a BBC video report about this this team. Even older than me, I was, you know, so inspired and felt an immediate bond. I mean, I I knew their daily lives were very different from mine, but I could also tell that they loved the same thing about the game as me. So that that was how I first learned about them.
0: Wow, that's pretty. That you know. Uh, we're going to be talking about whether or not you've actually been there or not, so that is going to come up in our conversation. But when when you and I first spoke, you know, about being on my podcast with me and talking about South Africa, I shared with you that of all the places I've been in the world, and I've been very fortunate to travel this world pretty extensively, um, by all by all accounts, South Africa was my most Favorite memory, my most wonderful experience,
1: mm.
0: and it was really not it, the safaris and all of that were fabulous. I'm not going to say I didn't love that and the 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 Botswana, you know, Victoria Falls and all those things. That, that was great. I, I'm not going to downcast that. However, it was the people, and I know we're going to be talking about the women that are that are a part of this, but um, I. I just think there's so much to be said and, and it's a place that I tell everyone if you're gonna have a bucket list of where to visit
1: mm.
0: South Africa should be on now it's a big it's a big area, you know, what what part of South Africa are you talking about? But I'm just saying every place that I visited all had the one thing in common and that was the people. Yes. Yeah. That was just the, the warmth
1: and a welcoming, right? Oh.
0: Whether they were wealthy or they were living in containers you did not know the difference and I thought that was what was so amazing so uh, tell me so how so how did you how did you hear about them I mean was it was it because you read about that back in 2010 is that was that your first introduction to knowing about them yeah
1: yes it was this um, this video video newsreel from the BBC that I saw and um, my uh my soccer team was meeting for a practice shortly after that and we were chatting about how inspirational it was to see these older women even older women than us, uh, out there playing and um we decided one one of the other players said that there's a US tournament every year, uh that moves around to different states and it was gonna be in Massachusetts that year in twenty ten. So mm-hmm. we uh
0: decided to extend an invitation to them nice nice well you had mentioned that the the age of these women um is extensive i'm just curious on your particular team what's the name of your team the lexpresses okay on you on your team okay named after the fact that you're in lexington mass correct right Right. Okay. What's how is how old is the oldest person on your team? I'm just curious. Um. So probably
1: seventy.
0: Okay. Like so okay. So I mean, we're not talking about spring chickens here, as they say. So this is what a wonderful way to to stay in shape. And you know, I know the soccer oftentimes is called football, right? I mean, depending right. upon where you live. Um, but what do you think soccer has meant to these women in South Africa?
1: So I I think, you know, it was clear from the start, like me, they found it a fun way to exercise, um, but I think they saw very significant health benefits um, Becca arranged for a team doctor to check out the, um, the regular checkups with the teammates. And within a few months of regular play, they had lowered their blood pressure and their cholesterol. Mm. They Some of them had improved mobility. They had, you know, even difficulty walking before. And now they're, you know, jogging on the soccer field. And I think regular exercise just gives you more energy for your, you know, to bring to the rest of your day. So these women realized you know, real physical benefits. And then there are, are emotional benefits, I think. You learn something new that builds your self-confidence. So I think, you know, playing soccer can be empowering, and I'm, I'm sure it was for these women. And, you know, like my stress relief from my to-do list, well, their to-do list is, is, has got much heavier life issues on it than mine, you know, the poverty you know, that yes. they have to deal with seeing adult children die of AIDS. Some of them are caring and feeding 10 to 12 grandchildren. So to come together for exercise and laugh for a half hour and, you know, feel better when they return home has to has to be enormous. So, and they've formed a su- supportive community for each other, you know, celebrating life's happy moments and praying together when life's t- times are challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and they've also... Um, have a practice where they, if they can contribute something financially each week, they do. And the team establishes a bank account. And when someone hits rough times, they might tap into those funds to help to help their fellow teammates. So, you know, it's, wow. all around football has been, you know,
0: very important in their lives. It's almost like um, a new family or an an extension of their families, it sounds to me, based on what you've just said, because all of these things are so important, and sometimes we don't get all of that um from our immediate families and I think that when women bond together there's something very special about that how many how yeah, many agree. women are on a what how many women are on a team? I really don't know that answer
1: um, well I mean if you're going to enter into a competition, a game you probably want sixteen or something because you have eleven on the field and you want to have some subs um but really, it's quite flexible for just pick up games or practices, you know you can have fun with as few
0: as eight or ten and you know. okay all right is the is the soccer ball that you guys use the same? Weight and dimension as what men use, because I know in basketball it's not. What about in soccer?
1: I believe it is the same.
0: Okay, yeah, I believe it is. There's And an is the field game the same? Called- oh, well, I'm sorry, finish yeah. the thought.
1: Yeah. There's an indoor game called football, um, which has a lighter, uh, slightly smaller ball because you play it on a like a basketball
0: floor, oh. a wooden floor.
1: But. Uh, but yeah I actually uh, did an article just just as in the lead up to the World Cup about I, I researched a bunch of different um, uh, reports on men's play versus women's play kind of at the professional level and some mm-hmm. researchers like they analyzed and based on women having less strength in their legs and that they should be playing on a slightly smaller field and this and that but uh, no but no they it's uh, women play on the same size as men,
0: to to truly make it equal. So women are playing
1: a tougher game. How about that?
0: <laughs> well, you know what you just said, which I found very fascinating. I didn't know this. So maybe others didn't either. I I would have never thought that even though maybe this is where it's called football, that that it would have been played indoors on a like on a basketball court. I I never knew that. Is that something that's um happens in, in South Africa? Does that also happen here, too? It It's called futsal,
1: S-U-T-S-A-L. Uh, yeah, it's just a, a different version of football and, yeah, of soccer, and I've played it here in the U.S. I'm not
0: sure uh, if they play that in other parts of the world or not. I see. Interesting. I bet that's a whole different experience than playing on grass. Right, right. Wow, that's that's that. I never knew that. So let's talk about Mama Becca. I'm I'm going to do my very best to say her last name, which is Nitsan Weezy. Is did I say that correctly? So I believe she's, so. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. right,
0: well, I hope so. I mean, I know that you know. Sometimes it's not easy to say names of people in other countries, but that was my understanding, and that she's won many awards for her community service because people know her as Mama Becca, don't they? Right, right. Tell tell us Um, a little bit more about that.
1: So Becca has dedicated her life to helping others in her community. Um, She's always been a caring person who wanted to help others from a very young age. She's just, just built into her. She told me that as a young girl, she saw students at school without shoes who walked home uh, or Mm -hmm. walked to school each day a long way crossing a river and then they attended school all day and walked home and she noticed they weren't eating any lunch and she knew they were hungry so she brought extra bread in her lunch and and shared it with them Uh, so she, she started you know she just had this hardwired into her. Um, she got a job at a radio station and ended up in the role of a radio talk show host. And hmm. people would call into her show and explain whatever difficulty they had and she would try to connect them uh, with resources to help. I remember her talking about a family who's, uh, who had a family member who had died and they didn't have enough money for a proper funeral. So she oh, rallied help to pay the mortuary and then to be able to you know rent a tent and gather people together to really properly celebrate the person's life so just a whole variety of of things she's done
0: wow um, there's, there's a
1: lot of poverty in the province of Limpopo where Becca lives um, she's delivered bags of cornmeal or maize uh, to people who don't have enough to eat she's built houses for families who have none hmm. she's helped young women and men to get uh um uh, advanced education to improve their chances on finding a job and and help lots of people with medical issues you know maybe deliver in a wheelchair or um connecting them with whatever whatever resources they need sometimes you know selflessly using what money she can spare uh people call her mama becca out of respect because she's always been a caring listener and someone doing good and she's also been called the Mother Teresa of Limpopo mm. because of all the mm. good deeds. And won lots, like you mentioned, lots of awards for her community work. One of them was actually presented by the president of the country, um, the Order of the Baobab. So that's, that's one she's particularly proud of.
0: Wow. That's, I'm going to spell her last name. I'm actually going to spell her first and her last name for those of you that might be listening live or you're listening after the show's um, been recorded where you might want to look her up. So her first name is spelled B-E-K-A, and her last name is spelled N like Nancy, T-S-A-N-W-I-S-I. And that's how you can find her. But I also want to just spell out Jean's name as well because, Jean, as you know, People spell their names differently depending, I mean, I, can t- I can't tell you how many people can't spell my name. So your <laughs> first name is spelled just like we would expect, J-E-A-N, and your Duffy is spelled D-U-F-F-Y. And you have a great website. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. In fact, you even have a GoFundMe on your page for people if they would like to contribute um, because of the proceeds of your book. And we're going to be talking about your book in just a second. But you mentioned that in two thousand and ten, I think you mentioned this, um, you, you guys hosted the soccer grannies, um, in Massachusetts for a tournament. How how did that come about? Were you the one that made that happen? Uh, I I worked
1: hard on it, yep. One of us small teams. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like I said, right after I saw that BBC News video, I was at a soccer game with some of my teammates. We were chatting on the sidelines about this inspiring South African team. And um, one of the women on the other team who had also seen the video um, suggested we invite them to play in this U.S. adult soccer tournament held every summer. She said there's a Japanese men's team that comes and they play Hmm. every year. So I I thought to myself, why not? How how amazing would it be to meet these women? So I went back home and search the internet, just like you're suggesting uh, to your listeners to do. Uh And I found more articles about the soccer grannies. And one of them mentioned the founder, Becca nitzan So then I searched for Becca's name and learned some about her community work and her radio, that she was a radio talk show host. And Mm
0: -hmm. one more
1: Google and I found her email address at the radio station. As soon as I contacted her, um, and sent her that first email message she said we are coming my sister just totally positive that that this would come to pass that her team would come to america but of course i didn't know and i imagine becca didn't know either at the time but we had some significant obstacles to overcome it was about um five months before the tournament when i first reached out to her Um, so she had to complete passport applications and Some of these women haven't had the opportunity to be educated. Their families needed them at home working in the fields to help grow food for their families. So they didn't know how to write. And so Becca had to help those women fill out the forms. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we needed to raise money. Uh, It was to bring a team over um, would be we understood about $40,000. And I had never done any fundraising other than, you know, helping my daughter sell Girl Scout cookies and GoFundMe. (laughs) GoFundMe was in its infancy at that time. Becca was trying to raise money on on her side as well. And she had promises from the government and from some commercial companies. But in the end, those turned out to be hollow promises. And Mm. it was kind of early June, just a month before the tournament, and we had raised you know, maybe $4,000 in the United States, so far short of what what we needed to fly them over. And yet I couldn't give up trying. I, I couldn't just, you know, I couldn't bear to disappoint these women. And one, women, one morning I was Googling again at my computer and searching for soccer grannies and Becca's name to see if there was anything new. And Google pops up a New York Times article about the grannies. And hmm. a mention at the end of it that they wanted to come to the U.S., and, but that they were lacking money. And, you know, here it was my project, you know. <laughs> it was being covered oh, wow. in the New York Times. And the L.A. Times ran an article, a similar article, hmm. uh, a week later. And that's when we finally started to gain momentum. Um, readers cared enough to contact the tournament officials who pointed them to me and um one of the women on the West Coast who'd read the LA Times piece said she was willing to go to her company and see whether they would sponsor the granny's trip. And two weeks before the tournament, her company agreed to give us uh, $40,000, which oh my was goodness, like a miracle, miracle yes. we've been waiting for. But, but we still had to get visas, which can be a very lengthy process. Mm-hmm. And Becca traveled with... Um, 20 grannies the four hours to the nearest consulate, U.S. consulate to fill out more applications and to get interviewed. And one of my soccer friends was calling the consulate and explaining, you know, that what our endeavor was here, and that this would mean so much on both sides of the Atlantic. I mean, clearly they had processes that had to be followed, mm-hmm. but, but they were very helpful helping the women fill out the applications. And, At the end of the two days, 19 women were granted visas. Wow. Um, So they're all excited. You know, Becca's sending me emails. They're so excited. They're headed back home. Um, But we didn't have tickets yet. And our timing was horrible because it was exactly when so many um, U.S. fans were heading home from the World Cup. So Mm. the seats on the planes were hard to come by, and they were very expensive. But fortunately, you know, by a few seats on this plane and a few seats on that plane, we found, we found the tickets. And so they actually arrived in Boston the day the tournament started. That's, wow. how, that's how close it came. Can you so. imagine?
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I know how long it takes to fly there. Um, you know, we flew into Cape Town, I think, or Johannesburg, whatever, one of the two. But I was with a group of people I knew. And and some I didn't. I was at the university um, group of people, but I can't. I but I've but I've traveled. I'm trying to put myself in the place of these women that are of you know of, of senior age. Some younger than others. You know, I don't. You know, fifty years old doesn't sound like an older person to me. My son just turned forty nine Saturday, but. <laughs> And it's like, how the heck did that happen? But you know, you're right. talking about 60 and 70 year olds that are maybe getting on their very first airplane, going to a country they've never been. That's that's pretty remarkable in itself, let alone adjusting to playing a game in a country that you've never been to before. So, I I just give kudos to all of you for for making that happen because it it must have there must have been a lot of moving pieces to make that happen. How long did they actually stay here in two thousand and ten how long were the how long was that tournament uh
1: the tournament itself was four days and then they stayed another four days um, okay after we had hoped they would have time. To stay with us before the tournament and get kind of acclimated but, but sure as things unfolded that didn't yeah. work out that way but yes you're absolutely right some of them had never left their province before or and no. they they called it a flying machine the airplane <laughs> <and> they never <laughs> oh, never wow, traveled across
0: the ocean so. wow that's something well i so i know that so that was in 10 and then the very next year in 2011 You guys visited them in South Africa, so I'd love to hear what your experience was like going there. Um, Yeah,
1: so right before Becca left the United States, she said, you know, you must come visit us next year, and um, we were very excited. We knew it would be special and not, you know, your typical, typical tourist visit to South Africa that we would be treated yes. to a real insider's view. And um, we had a wonderful welcome that Becca brought several granny's teams together and um, they cooked a picnic lunch for us that included a bowl of crunchy caterpillars. <laughs> so okay. I decided, the, <laughs> I decided that was an acquired taste that I'm still <laughs> working to acquire, but I did my best <laughs> to politely eat one. <laughs> Oh, my God. We visited a remote town several-hour drive um, from where mm-hmm. the, from the Granny's Village where Becca has been educating girls about health issues, and she started a women's uh, soccer team there. Um, and they had a chief for that village, and it was very interesting, you know, the juxtaposition. It was National Women's Day, and they were celebrating the – important efforts that women made in South Africa to end apartheid and yet mm-hmm. the women were bowing down to the ground as the chief walked by. So it was mm-hmm. um, interesting to them. observe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we toured Becca's radio station another day and um, visited one of the, the stately and massive baobab trees which is a symbol of life in South Africa. Yes, it sure is trees. So
0: you you were in Lim, is it Limpopo is that what it's called is that where you were yeah yeah where give me a give me a sense of where that is because I I don't really know where that is South Africa is a very big place so what yeah. where would that be where is that near that I would maybe be familiar with
1: we we flew into Johannesburg and it's mm-hmm. uh, their village was uh, about a four hour drive north of
0: Johannesburg okay. Limpopo
1: is the northernmost province. Province of South
0: Africa. Okay, all right. And what time of year were you there? It was August. In August, August. which would okay. be their their fall. Their fall, their fall right? right? No, no, sorry, their it, spring. spring. Oh, their yeah. spring. You're right. That that makes sense. That that does make sense. Well, I, I like I said, I I I don't know how long. How long were you actually there? Were you there for quite a period of time?
1: Um, I think it was you know nine days something
0: like you mentioned. We
1: did a couple days of a safari also.
0: Yeah, since we went that far. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. I mean, there's, but but regardless, right? Like I said earlier, regardless of where you were, on the field, in a restaurant, it didn't matter. The people were so joyful even though they could have been so poor you would not know it they just they just brought so much joy to every experience whether it was their music and their drumming or you know just anything we saw there was just it was just remarkable so you, yeah, you And they Go ahead I I would say they
1: brought that to America when they came to visit too um, mm-hmm. You know, as soon as they came through the airport, they were, you know, blowing their boozela horns and making a ruckus and, you know, right at the airport and, um, you know, singing and dancing on the sidelines of the soccer field. The mm-hmm. other teams were so excited to play with them. Even the referees were excited to officiate games with them. And, you know, the press was running around interviewing <laughs> and uh, That's videoing amazing. them. So they they really made the tournament a, a lot of fun and it was hot and humid oh, summer weather oh here boy. in Massachusetts and yet they wore um, leggings with their shorts over them because that was more comfortable culturally. Um, yeah. So, and, and we didn't know at the time, but they'd never played a full 90 minute game before. So here mm. they these poor women, you know, get off the plane the first day of the tournament, the, tournament officials kindly reshuffled the the over 60 women's schedule so that they could have three days of games but they got one you know short night's sleep I'm sure they were jet-lagged and not sleeping and then we put them on the field in this heat and the you know long duration of the game but they played on you know their ball skills weren't Sufficient to win the games, but they ran off the field as if they'd won the World Cup, singing, dancing, hugging everybody. Yeah, it was. You're 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 so right about their spirit. It
0: was wonderful. So that probably takes me. That's a perfect lead-in to this book that you've written, which I I absolutely love the cover by the way, and it's called Soccer Grannies: The South African Women Who Inspire the World. So why did you decide to write a book about them? As as soon as I boarded
1: the plane to return home in 2010, one of my friends said, wow, that was amazing. Someone has to write a book. And I think that, you know, planted a seed in the back of my brain. And um, a few years later, I was in my mid-50s, and I was fortunate enough to put aside my full-time work as an engineer and I took a first creative writing class and, and started on the
0: project of writing this book. Hmm. You've never written before, but have you? I mean, I understand what an engineering my how an engineering mindset works, which isn't necessarily always creative. It's technical. So I'm just wondering, have you always enjoyed writing, whatever that might be? Um, yeah, no, you're
1: you're right. I was, Trained as an engineer, and you know, spent my time as an engineer and a manager of engineers and scientists. My, my, really, my only writing was emails and technical reports. I mean, you can, <laughs> put, you can put some spirit into your writing, and uh, if you want to be per- persuasive, but um, no, re- really, I was, I was very much new to creative writing. But I took one class and another, and um, four years from that first writing class I had a first draft and I asked some the writing experts to read it and give me suggestions on how to improve where to go from there and one said I should add more about the soccer grannies and explain the historical political and social forces that have impacted the lives of these women and that made perfect sense to me but that meant I had to learn more myself as a first step
0: mm-hmm. so I was
1: lucky to get introduced to a southern african social historian who pointed Ooh. me to books and research papers to read which was just a enormous help um, those writing experts also suggested that I add more about gene um, so the reader would care about the narrator of the story I say that sure. was that was actually harder for me to think about, you know, what I like would be interesting right. to readers, but, but I, I did endeavor to put more of myself on the page.
0: Nice. And
1: six years from that first creative writing class, I had a publisher interested in the story. She was actually a former U S women's national team player herself. Hmm. And she said she was interested in the story, but she would need me to add even more about the grannies and all that Jean stuff. She said, you can cut that out. Just leave enough to tell the story. She really wanted me to focus on the soccer grannies, which I was quite willing to do. I mean, for <laughs> me, it's, it's, it's about them. So nice. eight years after that first creative writing class, you know, it's kind of a thrill to hold a book in my hand. And they even exactly. put my name on the cover.
0: Oh, your, your family must have been so proud of you. So how, how long once, I mean, so you kind of took us through the beginning steps. So did it actually really take you eight years to write this book?
1: Well, I was doing, the last two years, I've really been focusing on making all those changes that the publisher wanted. And then this last year, spending a good bit of time on book promotion. But the first six years, I was doing some of that downsizing and pro- management consulting, so it, I was kind of uh, dabbling with the book. Now it was kind of more, a par- a very much a part-time thing.
0: But yeah, mm-hmm.
1: eight years last time.
0: Wow, that's a long time. What did what do you, th- you know, this is this was a new experience for you. What did what did you learn in this process?
1: Besides learning a whole lot about South Africa. Um I think I learned that belonging to a writing group is is just a fabulous thing. I I took a 10 week writing class pretty early on and as it was ending one of the women said, "Would anybody like to keep meeting as a writing group?" and five of us raised our hand. That it's now almost 6 years later and we've been meeting regularly ever since. Three of us are being are, have been published or are being published this year which I think is oh nice phenomenal and I I really believe the other three are coming right right along behind us mm. and the writing group was just the support I needed for a couple of reasons um, you know you have a meeting coming up you want to have something to share new writing or at least a thorny writing problem so that you can you know use the meeting time productive so they really having a meeting on the schedule helped me keep moving forward mm-hmm. and especially at this point we those members of my group we know each other very well and our writing projects very well so we can very quickly give targeted valuable feedback to each other mm-hmm. um, we've also shared writing resources if one of us reads a good article about writing we send it around or if we take a class we take share our notes and i think that accelerated our learning But I think lastly and and most importantly, you know, writing is a very solitary process. And writing a book, like you just said, can take years of work with a lot of ups and downs. So having a group that's going through a similar experience that can, you know, cheer you on is really great. And, you know, even though that support was a form of a writing group for me, I think Mm -hmm. for someone else, that support might be daily meditation or regular walks right. with a book-loving friend. But finding whatever support you need to maintain your love of writing and your passion for the project is is really what's important. And it's kind it of is. like the writing group is like another team, right? So I, I, yes, it is. The of
0: right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had people say to me, "Marsha, you should write a book. And it's like, uh, when am I going to add that? the 24-hour period. But, you know, because I think because, you know, that's why I do this, Jean. That's why I've been doing this for well over eight years is because people do have stories. They're not all the same, just like I say in my opening remarks. They're not all the same. But the reality is, is that when you have a passion for something and you can bring it to life and then I get to share that, you can imagine what that does for me personally to be able to say let's talk about this what about this can i relate did i ever play soccer no did my kids play soccer no but that doesn't matter what matters is that you did and um we have time if you want to just tell us a little bit about maybe one of the individual life stories um about one of the soccer Grammys i Grammys did I say Grammys? I did. I meant <laughs> to say grannies with an ns not m's um so tell us uh' share something about one of the stories, one of those grannies yeah
1: um, so I was fortunate to have been entrusted with some with some life stories of a half dozen eight six or eight grannies um They were interviewed and consented to be interviewed for the book. And at the point I received those interviews, um, I had already done, you know, a significant mu- amount of the research on South Africa. So I was really able to appreciate the context of what they were describing about their mm-hmm. lives. Um, you know, we talked before briefly about the, some of their extreme challenges, you know, poverty, hunger, adult yeah. children dying from AIDS, physical abuse, like just really horrific things. And yet they're so strong and so resilient and they persevere mm-hmm. and move forward. And I think these stories to me were so inspiring. And they, they're, you know, I kind of interrupt the narrative at several times in the book to share share one of them. And I just feel it was truly a gift that they entrusted me to share their stories because I think people will find them inspiring, just like you share your podcast, other people's mm-hmm. <laughs> stories that are inspiring. But so, um, one of them, her name is uh, Laura Mitaleni, And her father died quite early in her life. She didn't have any memories of him. And so her mother single-handedly raised five children. And Nora remembers that they were often hungry and they had to, Mm. you know, work to in the field to grow food. And Nora, when she was approaching school age, was told, oh, no, you know, you being a girl should stay at home with your mother and work to help feed the family. You know, so she missed out on the opportunity to get an education and she says something along the lines of, you know, sometimes one thinks one could have made something of myself had I had the opportunity to go to school. And I just, you know, have no doubt, you know, she's right about that. Um, Her mother had, other men in her life after her husband died, but um, some of them abused her mother in front of the kids, which just breaks oh, my boy. heart to, to think about. Wow. And um, as, as a girl uh, and growing up through being a teenager, Nora had a great love for dancing, and she ultimately attracted a suitor. And she refused his advances for a long time. You know, telling him she wanted to marry someone from another village, right? Some the grass is always greener, right? But mm-hmm. he was persistent, and um, eventually she agreed, and they went through the steps of traditional courtship of his family visiting her mother, and uh, mm-hmm. they didn't, you know, they didn't let in that they had already met and agreed to this <laughs> uh, marriage. But yes. uh, Nora and her then husband had seven children. And like her mother, she struggled at times to put food on the table. Um, and Nora found comfort throughout her life uh, from her faith. She would pray and share with God, um, let, let, let her problems uh, rest with him. And mm-hmm. she's now a grandmother, and some of her adult children have moved far away to find work. Um, others who were having trouble finding work actually live with her and her grandchildren Mm -hmm. in a multi-generational household. Uh, So South Africa established once, once the democracy um, took place uh, a pension for people over 60 and that has actually provided a great relief. Some of the older people are making more money from the pension than they ever made in their lives. And so she's in a better position financially to help her family and her grandchildren um she still has her faith as a comfort and she loves playing with this soccer team you know it's made her health better made her happier so mm, all in all what a, at, yeah. as, as a grandmother she's finally kind of settled into a comfortable routine with her life
0: and so you know this, that that's, that's a feel-good story huh one. oh my goodness yeah yeah it, that, that's that's so lovely and you know i'm thinking about this passion that you have for soccer and it's taken you places that you could never have imagined when you first started playing like having a team in South Africa and now an author so what have you and Becca been up to this year I understand there is a special tournament in South Africa being held in this coming March is that when it will be
1: uh, it was actually in March of 2023
0: oh yeah, it was I've... held in
1: 2023 okay yes 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 so I've and always in my 13 years of knowing Becca now you know she sets a vision for the future and she holds on to that belief and it and it she has an uncanny way of making it come true which I think is a powerful lesson for all of us she did it when we invited her team to come she said we will come my sister and you know i i don't know how much um makes things happen when you're so can speak with such conviction but when mm-hmm. she was in the united states um in 2010 she said before i die i want to host a granny's world cup and in march mm-hmm. of this year becca hosted the first ever granny's international football tournament and 16 teams of women all over 50 years of age participated from across Africa, the U.S., and Europe. And mm. we brought three teams from the Boston area, all women in our 50s, 60s, and 70s. And honestly, we didn't know what to expect. We told these women, like, you're going to have an amazing experience, but, you know, even if we just end up scrimmaging with the grannies, it's it's going to be great fun. Mm-hmm. And the first day of the tournament, there was a parade of each of the teams marching behind the flag of their country through the town to the stadium. And the local folks were lining the streets, high-fiving us, asking to take their oh, photos wow. with us. It mm. was just, you know, she had, she really, they they all came out. And when we arrived at the stadium, as we walked into there, the stands were full. And oh, my goodness. keep in mind, like, I'm a soccer player who didn't start playing until my mid-40s. I've never played in front of five people. Well, never mind a packed stadium on their feet singing and dancing for every goal. You know, it was just quite the experience for me. And before every game, we lined up, stadium, tunnel, and a young teenage girls team escorted us out. You know, one player with uh, of the older women with one of these girls hand in hand. And I dare hope that we were inspiring them that they might play until mm-hmm. they're in their 50s and 60s. And we put our hands on our hearts for the national anthem and then we played the game we love. And l- looking back at the experience, it was such a phenomenal gathering of older women from around the world who, you know, share a passion for this sport. And I, I think we sent a, a message that's important of fitness as you age. And I also marveled how far Becca and these this original team of soccer grannies have come? Because when they first started playing, the townsfolk told them, you know, you shouldn't be playing soccer. You belong at home watching the grandchildren. And now hmm. 15 years later, they're the local heroes, you know, um, bringing this international event to town. And the original team who came to the U.S. back in 2010, they were mostly in the stands cheering at this point, and a new crop of 50-, 60-year-olds were on the field. So they've paved the way for, you know, the next women to to play. So I thought that was
0: uh, pretty outstanding. You know, and I, you, you mentioned that you played football, and I know that's the F-U-T-D-U-L. Does that necessarily mean that it was all indoors or were you out on grass
1: no no this was this was what the rest of the world calls soccer yeah
0: football yeah okay that was uh yeah
1: this was out in a regular grass stadium
0: got it got it that's that's really interesting so i'm sure you know look at the technology today i mean you and becca could do a zoom call together so um do you have? Do you and Becca have plans for the future? Yes. Um, so, yes,
1: she now has inspired mm. over two hundred teams across South Africa and neighboring African countries. Wow! So I think um, you know who who knows how many, how many more. You know, I I have this dream of of a granny team in every country of the world, right? Right. Um, but she's already working on the 2025 tournament. In fact, speaking of technology, yes, I was on Zoom this morning at 4 a.m. to uh, be with Becca on the SABC, which is the national TV, where she announced uh, that she's going to be having a tournament in 2025, bigger and better than the last. So we're looking forward to it and helping her to plan it. Um, In in the lead up, in the months leading up to this March tournament of this year, there were many teams across Africa who were excited to play, and they were posting on social media videos of their team practicing and singing, and, and they are saying, you know, we're going to bring the trophy home, you know, kind of everybody was um, saying that. And then in the end, many of those teams did, just didn't have the funds to make the trip, and that was heartbreaking for Becca and for me. So we mm-hmm. hope to see if we can, you know, maybe facilitate matching U.S. teams to help sponsor Individual teams. there yeah, we have you know two years now to figure out how we can uh, do some of that. Well, I've know. noticed on your so,
0: website um, that um, you can also raise and help um, with a GoFundMe account as well. And um, and is that just one of the ways that people who have been inspired by your stories can support you? Is there are there other ways besides just about purchasing the book
1: yeah no i think you you've hit on it yes i'm donating all my book proceeds to the
0: Beck and son
1: foundation in south africa so if uh listeners like the book you know please um tell their circles of friends about it i just today put up some uh book club questions so there's uh, quite a oh, lot of nice. things out there on the website i you know i'd love to yeah I could zoom so into some book club meetings and see, see what people think that'd be you fun you know
0: that's and we that's have, go ahead i'm sorry go go ahead because i was excited about what yeah. you just said and you what were you going to say next uh
1: yeah and we have stood up a gofundme um right. called score one for the south african soccer grannies and Donations, large or small, go to her, Becca's Foundation, to really targeted on her initiatives to improve the health of older women in South Africa. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's on my website or you can Google GoFundMe, score one for the South African Soccer and that's a, a super way to help her, you know, directly.
0: Sure. So I'm, I'm curious about what you said. I'm personally not in a book club, but I have a lot of friends that are, and I'm on your website as we're speaking. Um, is there a particular place where you? Uh, oh, right there where it's the where it says book clubs. So um, that's terrific that you have given that. That's just I will make sure I didn't realize that, and I will make sure that I um, make that um, highlighted on my blog when our podcast is over. Because for those people that that you know do like um, book clubs, this is another just another gift you're giving and people can certainly sign up for your newsletters and you know you're on Twitter and we will no longer see it as a little um, bird it's now an X and Instagram and and Facebook but I just think that that what you're doing I, I just sense and look at like I said earlier could the timing be any better it just so happens that the World Cup is playing right now and I believe the women, they beat Vietnam, and now they're playing um, the Netherlands. Is that right? Um, in New Zealand this yes, coming Wednesday. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And must, um,
1: the South oh African team.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh. The
1: South African team, Banyana Banyana, is is at the World Cup. This is their
0: first time
1: being invited, Ooh. so that's exciting mm-hmm. for fans in South Africa too.
0: You bet. You bet. Do you have any desire to go back? I, w- I mean, do you, do you have that in your future plans to go back to South Africa? Um.
1: So definitely, yeah, definitely for the uh, 2025 tournament. Yeah, we'll see if uh, Becca may lure me there for uh, the <laughs> book. Is actually not quite on sale yet in South Africa, but it will be. Uh, will be soon, I believe. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine she'll be uh wanting, wanting yeah. to come and do some book launch events there. She she came wow. to the US in uh-huh. June and, and did book events in Boston with me which was fun. She was the star of the show. Everybody wanted to ask her questions. It's, uh,
0: it's I like bet. Something. Are you are uh, is it are you comfortable telling me how old she is? I'm just curious. If you're not that's okay. Uh so she's she's 55, I think, give or take. Yeah, she's about okay.
1: 10 years younger than me. Yeah.
0: Okay. And does she also? I mean, I I presume other than just, you know, having this sight and everything, does she personally also play?
1: Um, a little bit. Not not uh-huh. not a regular player. But uh, got it. I got her onto the field when she was here in Boston in
0: June, and she's got good moves. She's got potential. <laughs> uh huh. That's so interesting. Well, I think that, you know, I think that what, when people have a desire and there's things that make them fill their heart with joy, whatever that might be, you know, look, at, look what you accomplished that you would have never imagined, that you wrote a book. Could you have ever imagined that you would have written a book? I n it was not
1: it was not on my list.
0: No. No but I was so inspired by these women. I just
1: wanted to share their story and the more I got into
0: it the more more I wanted to, so <laughs> I think yeah. it's terrific. And um and I, I think I saw somewhere that you're that you, are you presenting at some libraries about this? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: think giving talks here and there. Yeah. I think that's great, you know. Um, honestly, you're probably too shy to do something like this, but God, what a TED Talk this would be if the two of you were together on stage. Can you just imagine? Can you, can you imagine? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm involved in Rotary. I'm involved in different, the chamber. I'm involved in different things in my community. And it just seems like you guys are the perfect examples of setting a stage. You know, going to high schools, going to middle schools, going to elementary schools, and just talking about what the camaraderie is. And it doesn't have to just be female-generated. You know, boys get something out of this, too. And mm-hmm. I just I just think that this is just true- Your daughters must be so proud of you, my God. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. We have mutual respect for each other. But, yes, they were... They came to every book event when Becca was
0: here, which was very nice of them. That is nice. Well, I want yeah. to thank you for taking this time with with me today and sharing your story with um, our listeners, because I, you don't, you never know. What story will inspire somebody else? Because you've you've been you've written an essays and you've written for the Boston Globe and a lot of these you know well known uh, reputation communications and publications. So you know I think that this is terrific that that you do this and and that you consult with nonprofits as well, which is another that 's a subject, and maybe we can talk about that off the air about some of the nonprofits that you work with, because i 'm always interested in people raising money for nonprofits that 's that's just something that touches my heart very deeply so yeah. um, but in the in the meantime, Jane, just thank you for your time and and being with me today from one one coast to the other. I know we 're three hours apart. And I just want to just thank you so very, very much for being my guest today. This has been absolutely delightful. Yes,
1: yes, delightful is how I would describe it. I very much thank you for letting me share the stocker granny
0: story with your your audience. That's great. It's been terrific. So everybody. Check out this book and, and see how this can inspire you to maybe do something you hadn't thought about doing. And you just never know where a podcast can take somebody. And we'll we'll all keep our fingers crossed for the women this Wednesday that, that they are able to win and, and continue their streak. Um, that would be wonderful. So for now, everybody, I'm going to say goodbye. Have a wonderful week. And there's one more Monday in July, so I will be back to join you again next week with Dr. Davina Smith. Have a great day, everybody. Bye for now.